0: Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer, host of the Coach's Edge and the founder of Edge.coach. And in this episode, Coach Jeff Mezzatesta joins the show out of Carver's Bay High School. He's one of the best to do it in the state of South Carolina. They've been to the quarterfinals the last two years. They had a state runner-up appearance in 2018. He's won a heck of a lot of basketball games with decades of coaching experience behind him. And as this episode, we talk about defense, the intensity, the urgency, the buy-in, and Coach Mez doesn't just break down some of his philosophy with defense. He breaks down the personality and the questions that you can ask your players to help you determine what type of defense is best for them based on their personality, the culture that you have within your program and your players. He does a great job of explaining it's not just about the physical characteristics of your players. It's about the mental the mindset of your players that can also help determine what type of defense may fit them best. Coach Mez, they cause a ton of turnovers. They are so difficult to play against because of the pressure and the defensive intensity and the speed that they play with throughout the course of the game. And he'll talk in this episode, they got 14 guys on the team, they go 14 deep. They are bringing them in and they are flying around the courts. Now, Coach Mez is also a edge.coach member. I've had the chance to get to know him personally. I consider him a friend. I've had the chance to attend some of his practices, to work out with uh, his, his players at different points in the season. We've done Zoom workouts during the pandemic, all that fun stuff. And he's a person that I have a ton of respect for this is audio from some of our coaches edge meeting where he talks to some of our other coaches of coaches edge.coach and breaks down a little bit of what he does with their team so if it seems like it skips and bounces around that's really because i'm just giving you a taste i'm just giving you a taste of the coaches edge meetings that we offer at least two every single month that are either presentations or they're guest speakers or their roundtable discussions, and this is a part of that. So I'm showing you about 30 minutes or so of about an hour um, conversation that we have with Coach Mez about his team and his program, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. And if you want to join Coach's Edge, go to coachesedge.coach to learn more. I'm happy to answer any of the questions that you may have on how you can improve your program through the resources, through the online meetings, through the videos, the PDFs, and all the things that we do to try to serve coaches around the nation. Let's get to the show. Okay, it's on. We got we got coaches in here from, shoot, Pennsylvania, Maine, Michigan, South Carolina. This is cool. And uh, so I'm gonna introduce my friend, Coach Jeff Mezzatesta. And I had the chance to get to know him a couple of years ago when we moved down here through a mutual friend. And we were talking on the phone. We hadn't met yet. And he was telling me a little bit about his team. He was telling me a little bit about his program. And he said, Steve, my guys are ferocious. <laughs> and I, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, all right, this guy's something. Like, just a little over the top. Calls his team ferocious. This is new. But I had not seen his team play. And then I saw his team play. And I said, that was exactly what they are. These guys are ferocious. I have never seen a team defend the way that this team defends as far as playing like their hair is on fire. Like I've never seen a team just hit the gas constantly uh, the way his team does. And uh, so I really wanted to bring him in to chat to you guys. He's a fellow Coach's Edge member. I've had the chance to work with you know his team, some of the players, do Zoom workouts with him the whole nine yards. And uh, so we're blessed to have him. He's one of the best coaches in South Carolina. They had a runner-up appearance in 2018. They've been in the quarterfinals the last two years. And they are a they are hell to to play against and it's, uh, a lot of fun to uh, fun to watch. So, um, Coach Mez, I miss any of the main things right there before I start firing some questions at you.
1: No, brother, I appreciate it. that was that was really nice. Um, you know, I've just been very lucky to. This is my 25th year in coaching. I know I look young. Italians don't age, so you know that's the big thing. Um, This is my 25th year in coaching, 19 here at Carver's Bay. We're a small single-A school about an hour outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, in Georgetown County. Um, I've been blessed with some really good kids, some really great athletes. Um, I wouldn't, you know, um, their best basketball is always ahead of them. I always tell them it's not what they're going to get from me. Um, You know, we preach a lot about being a family and being a team, and then, They're going to want to get better. But um, I grew up in West Virginia. That's where I learned how to play basketball. Um, Huge shout out to that gentleman from Maine. That's outstanding, dude. That's just a great season and a great run. I actually met my wife, who's from South Carolina, and moved down here. My dad, actually, who was a varsity coach, made me start coaching seventh-grade basketball. He actually rigged my first varsity interview. Uh, I thought I was going to get the job without a doubt. I walked in and the guy who was the athletic director was actually on my dad's team in college. And he was Italian too. So I was like, "Ah, all right, I got to pass on here. I'm going to be good. So I walk in and next thing I know, uh, the first thing he says to me in the interview, he's like, hey, uh, you know, there's no way you're getting this job, right? I'm like, oh, thanks. So I ended up coaching seventh grade basketball uh, the next year, and my dad looked at me and said, if you want to be a coach, you have to learn all aspects of the, of the game. You can't build a program just being varsity, so I had to coach seventh grade basketball, eighth grade. I think he was trying to get me to quit is what I really think he was trying to do, but uh, I coached seventh grade basketball, eighth grade basketball, ninth grade basketball, JV assistant. Then I, then I, um, I moved here, and I uh, got to coach under the legendary Barry Triplett, who is from uh, originally from like up towards York, Pennsylvania, Barry's got like 700-some wins. He's in the Hall of Fame in South Carolina. I always tell everybody we're Class A basketball, but some of the best basketball in our state is Class A basketball. The the 1A basketball here is real ridiculously athletic and ridiculously fast and ridiculously just it, – it's almost an insult to play zone at, at the 1A level in South Carolina. Um, so – Really, that that's that's a little bit about my background, a little bit about me. Um, um, but we're we're really blessed to uh, to have the program that we have, and I thank y'all for tuning in. That's a testament to coaches like you guys who are always wanting to learn. Um, and I really appreciate Steve for having us tonight and having me. Um, God knows I love to talk basketball. I mean, hell, I'm Italian. I like to talk anyway. So you know, it, it, it's just how it rolls. But anyway, yeah, Steve, what what do you want me to what do you want me to talk about?
0: So with the all good stuff, good background information. Um, and as I've mentioned in the beginning, let's start out with your defensive philosophy, what, what it is, like what's, what's the ideas behind it. And then get, dig into how do you get kids to buy in to having to play under that philosophy and playing so hard?
1: Well, I don't think there's a wrong way to play defense. First of all, is what I would say to that. Um, I think the the first mistake a lot of coaches make, especially young coaches, is they bring their philosophy down to where they're going to coach. Um,
0: Coach, before we get to the show, we wanted to let you know that CoachesEdge.coach is launching April 20th, and we'll open that up for about a week and a half. That's dot Coach. We're excited to welcome coaches from around the country who are hungry, who are dedicated to continue to improve themselves, their team, their coaching staff, and their program. This isn't just a resource site where, which we do upload every single month with videos, presentations, PDFs to help you improve. Uh, We've got put a tremendous focus on player development and program development, but we have access to culture and leadership exercises, strength and conditioning programs strategy, X's and O's, different types of sets and plays that you can start to integrate with your team. But even more than that, it's a community of coaches that are dedicated to keep getting better. And that's one of my favorite things about the Coach's Edge membership is the Zoom meetings that are optional for coaches to jump in. And we talk about specific areas that can help us all improve as coaches, whether that's practice planning, whether that's late game situations, whether that's handling playing time, the list goes on and on and on. And the Coach's Edge membership has been huge personally for me as I continue to become a better coach as well. If you have questions about it, please let me know. Contact at KramerBasketball.com
1: or at Coaches Edge One on Twitter. Let's get to the show. I think a lot of time young coaches, especially today, they come with this idea of they're, they're, they're going to get this, they're going to play this kind of way, or this was how they were taught, or how their mentor coach taught them or. And really, I think the first thing that you have to do when you try to realize the kind of defense you want to play is you really have to know, for me, okay, Steve, you can attest to this, like there's a lot of psychology to the way I coach. So the first thing is you got to read the room. And by that, I mean, um, if your kids are protective, there's verbs that I would use about my kids when I first came to Carver's Bay. I remember when I walked in and I knew I was going to be the head coach and I'd been an assistant here. I didn't know what kind of defense we were going to play. So the first thing I knew the kids because I had taught them in eighth grade, but I didn't really know who they had become as men. So I had to read the room. So the first thing I had to do was, you know, verbs like, are you protective? Are you dependable? Are you um, do you share responsibility? You know, you're, you know, are are you quick to judge or quick to say, that's not me, things like that, like accountability, and it can't be to your standards or how you, how you were brought up. You have to really understand the culture that you're in and evaluate the culture that you're in. So the one thing I noticed here at Carver's Bay was these kids were fiercely loyal to each other and they held each other accountable. To the point where at it, it, first it was blame. And a lot of people would probably say, you know, blame is all over in coaching. You know, he did that or he did that or he didn't do his job. But the thing is, when, when you start to really see the verbs that make up your kids, that's why I say there's no wrong defense because an amoeba zone to somebody, when you look at your kids, if that fits their personality, then that's right. If the pack line's there for you because that's what you see, the verbs that are with your kids, that's the thing. So, like, the first thing I would always have my kids do is describe themselves and describe who they are and describe who they want to be and describe what they want to be to each other. Now that we have an identity, what ended up happening is we got we got lucky. I mean, that's nine times, you know, <laughs> that's nine tens of what we do is, is luck a lot of times. And our identity became something that became ingrained in the tradition of our program for the last like 18, 19 years. It became who we wanted to be. And the verbs that the kids kept coming to was tough. The verbs that they kept coming to was dependable. The verbs they kept coming to was family. There was all of these things. And I remember one day um, I had met Shaka Smart early in his coaching career when he was at Clemson. And um, we were talking about a kid that he he was recruiting as an assistant coach at Clemson. And we were talking defense, like I'm talking to you now. And he was asking questions about defense and stuff like that. And I just became a huge fan of him because of some of the things he was saying to me while we were on the phone. And I followed him to VCU and I watched and I let my kids watch. If you've never watched it, you really need to YouTube when he was at VCU, when he's working with the Navy Seals. And that's when I knew I had something because I let my kids watch it. Now, this was midway through who we were already building after I'd done the verbs and tried to see who our identity was. And my kids loved it. See, the other thing you got to understand about our school is we're a football school. They let me coach basketball, but we're a football school. And I knew right away early teaching basketball at the level that I had been brought up at wasn't really going to be conducive, especially when your football team, I don't get my basketball players until my season is pretty much started. That's how good we are in football. Okay. We've had kids play in the NFL, even though we're so small, we've had multiple division one signings, kids that have played at, you know, Georgia kids that have played all over. I mean, we're very blessed, but um, when I started to mix all of these things together early on, we sort of knew who we wanted to be. So The idea of letting the kids dictate what the program was going to stand for. And that's what I said early to them was, listen, we're not winning right now. I mean, there was like 20 people that would come to games when I took over as basketball coach. I mean, a lot of people had given up on basketball. They weren't really doing it. And so I told the kids, you know, this is who you are and your identity. Then you need to be honest with one another and say, that's what you're going to be. This has to be your identity. And I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to hold you to that 24 seven. So little, and they, the early kids in the program really did a great job of holding to that. Even when they physically couldn't like they walked the walk, even when what they were doing was crawling and the younger kids saw it's like the first year of the program, we were playing man to man and we were taking our lumps Uh, the second year, you know, the kids really bought in and their whole identity was we're tougher than the kids before. And I was like, Oh, I'm on to something. I said, Oh, you think you're tougher? I was like, what makes you tougher? So it was a lot of questions about what is toughness and who is toughness and what makes you tough. And that's the thing. Like when Steve sits there and says, like, I use the word ferocity by the time he got to my program, this, this had trickled down through the years to where there's this, this sense of ferocity that the kids are like we have to be tougher than what was here before and what it has trickled into even more is like it's very hard for us to schedule to schedule teams like last year we ended up we had a pretty decent year and we got as as ranked as number two in the state and you know our of our losses two of them were to the state champion in overtime um another was to uh the uh another ranked team in class a and then our other three losses uh besides our our quarterfinal loss which was to another ranked class a the other losses the other three losses were to 5a opponents which is as big as it gets in south carolina so you got a little single A going on the road playing the number 10 team in 5a and the number six team in 5a but my kids want that challenge like they live for that stuff and it's become sort of what they the philosophy is not a testament to me. It's a, it's it's a testament to the kids and this idea of if you don't take a charge, dude, you are just, you're ridiculed. Like they'll look at you in summer league. If you don't take a charge in summer league, like my kids will tell me, get him off the floor and do not let him play again in this game. I mean, I don't even get the chance to say it. Like my my junior point guard looked at me last year when uh, he looked at me last year and I was trying to play some younger kids and he looked at me and he came down and, and we're in our regular full court press, which I'll go over in a second. But he looked at me and he said, uh, we had a ninth grader on the floor with him and he's like, get him off. And I'm like, Tony, he's learning, like, calm down. He's like, he is not tough enough to be on this floor right now. Get him off. And so I'm like, all right, kid, I know we're supposed to be learning now, but you I didn't even get to say, okay, barely till the seniors are like mauling him coach him as we got it. You go ahead and do that. And it's like, this And they're looking at him say, turn your stuff in or go home. Turn your stuff in or go home. That's not what we do. If you're that soft, you have to understand you're going to foul when you play for us. You're going to, if you don't get on the ball, if you don't get on the floor for loose balls, you're not going to play for us. Like there is this, and what has happened over the, the 18, 19 years is, you know, we're not going to be, I don't know how good we're going to be next year. Okay. I only got four kids coming back. But they, they already believe they're tougher than anybody we're going to play. And that's what they go to prove every night is, and it's, they're not scared to guard. They're not going to be scared to guard because if they get beat, they're going to get a chance to guard you again. So what's it matter? You're not, you're going to beat me once, but you're not going to beat me twice. And if you beat me twice, you're not going to beat me three times. So it's become a mentality. So that's the first thing is really knowing what you're going to coach and the verbs that go with how your kids react. You can still play with that same kind of intensity in a zone. But there becomes different verbs that you have to take into consideration. And if you know the verbs, that's the first step. Of course, we're going to teach on ball and not getting beat to the bucket. Of course, we're going to teach deny the passing lane. And like Huggins teaches where it's like we want the pass to go away from the bucket. We don't want anything coming to the bucket. We want you to back doors. Please run your Princeton because your Princeton's not going to work because everything, if it's working, it's going to be there. You can backdoor me all you want and you can spread me all you want. Now. The thing is, if you can hit the threes night in and night out against us, God bless you. But the problem is this, the speed and the quickness that I have year in and year out, you're not going to get the three that most of you are used to. But what I look for in my players is I'm looking for what Steve just said before. I'm looking for that tenacity, that ferociousness, that kid that's going to come out of help like his hair is on fire that he's going to get out to you on that three-point shot. And I don't care if he's the best player offensively. Like I tell my kids all the time, if if you can play defense, I'm going to find a spot for you. Guys, you got to understand, we go 14 deep. Everybody I keep on my team plays, and they're going to play. And if they don't play, then they shouldn't have been selected by me, and I suck as a coach. And a lot of times that's what I would challenge you to look at what you're doing. Are you putting kids on your team that are literally helping you? You know, a long time ago, I had a coach tell me who used to coach at Purdue. He's retired since then. And he he lives at the beach a little bit every once in a while. And one of the things that he said a long time ago in a Nike clinic, years and years ago, when I first was coming to, to Myrtle Beach was, you know, there's kids on your team that you have to put on your team because boosters or this or that and all that. I don't have to do that. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play a kid whose dad has money or doesn't have money. If a kid's on my team, they're going to play. What has helped me a lot is that the kids know they're going to play. So the philosophy is first what I just told you. And the second part is we play a man down every time. That's what we teach our kids. After we teach the philosophies, everything is teaching man down. So here's, I'll show you what I mean. If you got a piece of paper out, I'll show you how we break it down. So the first thing we do is if you don't make your practices to the point to where every kid wants to be in your practice, if you're not practicing every kid, if you're putting kids over to the side, and I don't care if this is college, I don't care if you're JV, B team, rec, I, I, don't, I don't think much of you as a coach if your kids aren't involved in practice. See, the kids know, this is the thing I learned a long time ago, the kids know where they stand with you, even if you don't say something, and the thing is that I pride myself in at my program, my kids don't know where they stand. They tell me where they stand because what we'll do every once in a while, about every two weeks or so, is they have to make their top, if there's 15 kids on the team, they have to outline the top 15 players on the team. I don't. Do your kids know? Do your best players really know they're accountable? And I don't mean just accountable for their shots and accountable for their points. Like, Do they know they're accountable for defense? Do they know they're accountable for taking charges? Do they know they're accountable that this right here – from the help position, that's a reach. That's not getting your body over and actually stepping in front to force the kick out to go to the three. Or do they get, do you give them the ability to give an out? That's the other thing in our program. So I, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I hope that you're like, you asked my philosophy. There's not like a list. There's just this ramble that I'm trying to throw out at you and you take what you like and take what you don't like and see what fits you and doesn't fit you. Okay. But the bottom line is our kid, my kids know. I mean, if if I'm allowing my kid out, like Tevin this year, Tevin, who Steve will tell you about Tevin's probably the fastest kid I've ever seen in my life or ever coached in my life. Tevin can hit a can make a layup at one end. And we're he played in the All-Star game, the North South All-Star game, which is he's one of the top 16 players in the state of South Carolina. And we're class A. So you can only imagine they only had three Class A players on the team. So Tevin ends up. <laughs> the coach looks at him and says, Tevin, you got to play full court. He goes, that ain't no problem. So Tevin defends the full court. He'll defend at one and play you full court. Then he'll take the guy to the rack. He'll get the two. He's only five, eight, but he'll go up. He gets the bucket. Immediately. They throw the ball in to get the guy going the other way to try and take advantage of Tevin. Cause he's fallen down. Tevin's already beat him at half court is already face guarding him and already making him change directions. And the, there was a coach sitting with me from a from a D2 school in our state. He looked at me, he goes, Mez, how do you teach that? I said, He knows if he doesn't get up and run to the other end, there's already somebody on my bench that's saying, taking him out, take him out. It's our identity, it's who we are, it's ingrained in us. It is who we it's what we stand for. But if you make if you don't stand for that all the time, if you don't stand for what you want, your kids. They're, they're going to know Joe gets their Billy, whoever's going to get the out. And what you've done at that moment is you've totally jeopardized your entire vision for your entire program. So, you know, that time we made that state run, the kid who was number 15 on my team, I told you every senior got offered a scholarship that you had to hold what the expectation was. So you got to ask yourself, are you holding the expectation? After that, we play a man down everything. So like I said, Say I got 15 kids on my team. I'll have nine kids around the perimeter. This is why I said the piece of paper. So I got nine kids around the perimeter, okay? Say I got 14 kids. Now I got five kids playing defense. So we're playing nine on five half court. Offense is only allowed three or four passes. Then we, or at first they might be allowed seven passes. Then maybe we get it down to where they're only allowed three passes. Then the next time might be six. It all depends on what I want to work on that day. until we get, when we get to the end of the season, it's unlimited passes, beat them, beat them. The other thing about it is this, like Steve talked about ferociousness. So, well, well, let me finish that other thing. So we do a lot of stuff, like I said, outnumbered. Um, I might actually take three kids, four kids, put them in half court scenario, and um the rest of the team's playing them. And where you might coach kids that are like, how can you expect us to, to win? There's four of us against 10 of them. That doesn't get said in my practice. Those four kids expect to win. So that's what I'm saying. Like, are you, are you passing that on to your kids? Or are you giving them an out saying, oh, can I, there's four of you. No, no, there's four of you. And you're supposed to be the four best on the floor. Can you take out those 10? And then it really teaches them how to rotate. It teaches them how to get each other's backs. And the fights that happen are just awesome. The verbal confrontations I love because they look at each other and they, they expect each other, you know, instead of failing. And we transition that into full court also where the, we'll have four kids bring it down and working on stopping ball. And then the trailers have to start at half at full court. And then they're not allowed to get into the game until the two kids that are back are stopping the four kids. And and that the reason I'm saying all that is we don't run in our practice. There, if you ever came and watched us practice, like I don't line my kids up. The other part about our defensive philosophy is running has to be fun. If you ever use running as a punishment, I just, I don't know why you would ever want to do that in basketball. I mean, think about it. If you were coaching cross country, would you use running as a punishment? If you're coaching track, would you use running as a punishment? then my God, why in basketball would you use running as a punishment? You want your kids to love running. You want them to be dear. You want them to absolutely love running in a herd. And you just, you have to have that mentality. So we never run for punishment. That's the kind of stuff I'm saying. It has to be this complete mentality. But if you're running your kids for punishment, then how are you going to make them want to run when it, when it matters? So that's the big thing about our philosophy. And we live with mistakes. That's the other thing we live with mistakes, but we practice perfection. And I know those two things don't sound like they go together, but we live with mistakes for the purpose of we fuss about every little thing. So my four assistant coaches and I, we're always on them. You're getting fussed at 24 seven. We're creating a hostile work environment all the time. We are creating chaos a hundred percent of the time we're creating. We want you to get fatigued. We want you to get tired. We want you to get so mad. You walk out of the gym and quit on your teammates. So that way, when you do that, when you have to walk back in the gym and ask for, ask for an apology from them. Yeah. But what are you going to give me for that apology, that accountability, you have to instill that at your weakest moment, that you still have to find a way to be strong. So, when you ask about the philosophy, it's not this, this X and O stuff like I'm a first-year coach. It just becomes an identity. And th- those are some of the intricate details about some of the stuff that we do. And those are, you have to understand, they're not um, negotiable. None of those things are negotiable. And if they are, you can't play for us. I don't care how talented you are.
0: Tell us a little bit about uh, you know, where you're forcing the ball, what some of those rotations are. Um, You guys just force so many turnovers combined with kids just chucking the ball like five feet above somebody's head out of bounds. Tell us about kind of some of the strategy behind that.
1: Okay. now this stuff, I don't get as long winded and it's easier. It's just the philosophy is hard. I just need you all to understand that because it's it's an all encompassing thing. All right. As far as principles, okay. we are always going to uh, my assistant coach and I coach Morton, we always get in a fight. Because he wants hand, he wants the ball in the non-dominant hand. We find that a lot at our level of basketball. There's a non-dominant hand. But that's not going to help like my dude from Maine. That's not going to help you because everybody has two hands. So what I try to teach my kids is if the ball is established on one side of the floor, we're playing that one side of the floor. And we're funneling. We're going to run you. We want you to go full speed. We're, we're baiting you. We're daring you 24-7. We're daring you to beat us because ultimately once one of my kids gets beat so say we're advancing the ball down the left side of the floor we know even though Tevin's as fast as he is or Tony or any of my kids we know you're going to get beat you're because the ball knows where it's going to go we can only force it so much but what what they don't realize is we play for mismatches we want mismatches a lot of people say they don't want mismatches we do because you got to think as much as you've been taught in coaching that mismatches hurt you, how come nobody talks about mismatches that help you? How come everything on the defensive talk is about the mismatch that hurts you when you get the five, eight guard with the, um, in the post, you're not going to get the five, eight guard in the post. If the point guard has been pressured to the half court and you have the, 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 the six foot two or six foot three forward coming out, you now have a length mismatch. And for us, like my power forward that's coming out, like it's not a mismatch. I mean, he's got more speed than most people you'll see. So he's coming out to stop ball. So what if 5'8 Tevin is in the post? What's going to happen nine times out of 10? That center is going to have to rise to become a safety outlet to get the ball. Now I'm in mismatch heaven because I've got a 5'8 speed demon guarding a 6'5 kid that most people don't want to have the ball anyway. So therefore – I look at it as a reverse of how all of you have always been taught. You don't play man to man a lot of you because you're scared of the mismatch because you're trying to hide, you're trying to hide your your things you don't think you're good at. Dude, why would you hide the things you're not good at? Because literally you're always playing catch up then. Why would you not try to hold your kids accountable and make them come out and play, live with the mistakes, have something to work at? And then teach a rotation, like you're asking me, like the rotation is always the same. If you're playing outnumbered, the kids are going to learn. It's, it's no different. Take a read and react offense. If any of you ra- run a, we run a dribble drive and read react. Okay, that's what we do. We don't teach kids how to run basketball plays. We have a couple quick hitters, but everything we do is teaching kids how to play basketball. All right. Do you do that on defense? Like, are you teaching your kids how to play defense? Or are you teaching them to guard a certain place or guard a certain person? Like the thing is, like if if your kid knows how to read and react on offense, can you say the same thing about them on defense? Do they know how to read and react on defense? So the bottom line is, you know, a couple of years ago I had a six-five kid that I, I promise every time he ran, I thought the the ceiling was going to come down because he just he ran flat footed and, and he was top five senior, but a great kid. He's about six, yeah, six five, six, six. But he would come out and stop the point guard. He would come out. He knew how, he knew where he had to stop ball. He knew how to use his length. I mean, are you teaching kids that to where, you know, the rotation? So, like I said, we want to keep the ball on one side of the floor and then we're willing to get beat. And once we get beat, we call it peeling. So, I'm going to peel off to get to the next guy. Sometimes we'll trap out of it. But why would I want to trap with a 5'8 guard with a six, one point guard that you're going to throw? All I want is constant pressure. I think trapping is overrated because trapping actually leaves you screwed in a way, because if you're playing a team that knows how to read and react offensively, you're already there. If you want to keep constant pressure, especially like one of my friends, just I've I've been opposed to the shot clock forever at high school level. But then one of my friends about three weeks ago looked at me and told me I was an idiot. And I said, "Okay, I'll listen. He said, mess. The shot clock is perfect for how you play basketball. If you have to defend 35 seconds, nobody, nobody's getting a shot off you. And I was like, oh, my God, he's right. Like, I want the shot clock. I want it right now. I want it in high school basketball in South Carolina because he's right. Like, you're not going to get a shot off because we can defend you for 35, 40 seconds. So because of this peel and react of what we do, and the bottom line is Tevin also knows that when he goes down into the post, He doesn't want to be stuck with the 5'8". So because they've been playing outnumbered for so long and it's become ingrained in us, Tevin knows to reach over and grab the other kid and say, switch, I got switch. Now we don't switch on ball either. We don't switch on ball. One of the things that we pride ourselves in is we always have picking stations. If you don't do picking stations, that's something I learned when I went and watched Coach Williams at North Carolina for three days. I mean, the the thing I loved about that at North... Have any of you ever been to North Carolina practices or stuff like that? Have any of y'all seen like what they do at UNC? Dude, it is unbelievable how they break down every single aspect of defense. It's just, um, it blew my mind. And so they had like three minutes on the clock and they had like six different stations and it was every pick. I mean, I was seeing picks I didn't even know existed. And everything was about how do you, if we're going to play man to man, do you know every part of the pick? So like, that's when I learned things like, how to NASCAR, like, I'm I'm not going to, do y'all know what NASCAR, I'm going to put that in. They had one station just for drafting and how to defend drafting, but not just the guy who's defending the draft, but like, how does the help defense from the guy who's providing the pick, how does that defender, where is his body motion to where in reference to the person that's coming? And I'm just like the intricate detail. So like we do that at practice. So like we have picking stations all over. We defend the up pick, how to defend the down pick. We might take, you know, 25 minutes in practice one day when we're working our defensive stations and how to hedge a pick, how to hedge a up pick, how to defend a down pick, how to how to defend a double screen, how to defend. And so we're doing this like 24-7 and we're rotating, but we're creating chaos while it's going also. Um, so each coach does it and um, and stuff like that. And, and then the simple fact of just the rotation and the constant pressure on the ball. And again, it comes back to, I'm not saying we're trying to foul you. But if that referee's not blowing the whistle, then, guys, you're not playing defense because we don't play off ball. We're going to play with chest. We're going to play with active hands. We're going to play with active feet. We're funneling the ball to the baseline. Now, if you get the ball to the short corner and you try to take it in from there, now you are going to get trapped. If you put yourself in a position where you get behind that bucket, then it's over. But other than that, that's really, that's a, really a lot of what we do.
0: Can you talk a little bit more, just try to – paint paintbrush a picture here of the rotations you know you're forcing up a sideline guy gets beat and then you know we obviously need to stop ball. where generally okay, so you, and who is stopping the right. ball and then what were some of the locations if you yeah, you know, okay. had to sprinkle some players around the court
1: right so for example like say we're say they're back in like a, a spread four so their point guard's bringing it down and the nearest and he's coming down the left side uh Tevin's doing everything he can, or Tony, whoever's man that is, they're doing everything they can. We want the ball on the floor. And so he's got that. But now Tevin's beat. The wing picks up him. Now the forward comes to the wing. The backside sliding over. Tevin's whole job, once you get beat, I always tell that. well, I can't tell you what I tell the kids. But you become useless. So there's this thing that's useless. So what ends up happening is the kid who gets useless has to get back to the bucket every time. That's where a lot of you aren't going to like it because you're going to have a 5'8 kid or a 5'7 kid defending the post. But you're not if, if if once the kids learn how to play outnumbered, they're looking for it, they realize. So let yes, me
0: sorry add, to interrupt you. So the kid that gets the kid that gets beat is going to the bucket. He's not going to always. the weak side. Okay. Nope. Always yep. going keep to the going. bucket.
1: And then what happens is the ladder, which traditionally is called the ladder, it rotates. It ends up because the offenses are so traditional, it becomes a, a, a big circle, but it's not. Because a lot of you are going to run Princeton back cuts or stuff like that. But the reason why, once Tevin's retreating back or the point guard's retreating back to the bucket, we take away your back cut because it's it's just not there. And you wouldn't believe how many steals we get just because you think something's open and it's not. Because if, here's the big thing. If you can react to the ball off that peel quick enough, the big thing that happens is, You're going to force three, you're going to do two things. You're going to force hesitation. If my defense is playing faster than you, your hesitation, you're done. The second thing it's going to do is it's going to force an overhead pass. The overhead pass against our defense is a death wish because there's no way you can react quick enough to it. Now, I know a lot of you are going to look at me and say, well, Mez, you must have these great fast players. Don't forget what I told you. There's a lot of my kids that aren't like this, but because of what the expectation is, this is what they know. Can you give me two minutes? All I need is to, I mean, because let's be realistic. Your best player is your best player. But if I can give my best player two minutes, one minute, that's all I need. One minute a quarter, two minutes a quarter. And so, therefore, those kids know they have to play at that level.
0: So, the rotation of this is – I mean, this is a lot different than, say, like a, a run and jump where a lot of teams are coming and bringing a trap from the weak side because you're yep. you're pushing – you're pushing up the sideline and then it's really that strong side is the one that's coming up to stop ball, rotating out, say to the corner, or the wing on the strong side, whoever gets beat is going down to the paint and then your weak side guys, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I mean, they're looking to pick a pass and go score a touchdown.
1: You got it. Cause we're always running. See the And that's a great way to say it, Steve, because if you're a fast break offense, why aren't you a fast break defense? I mean, that's how we sort of implement it. If you're a fast-break offense, why? And look, if any of you want to see us play, like I sent Steve two videos. You're more than welcome, Steve. You can send them to him off our huddle. Um, it's us playing. Denmark Olar is the first team we're playing. The kid that we're playing there, he just signed with the University of South Carolina. And um, he's a six five guard. And then we played who won the state championship, who I told you, Coach Frederick, Zan Frederick. We were playing his team, um, Calhoun County. So if any of you want that film, you're more than, I mean, you'll see how we play and that yeah, I can forward that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can forward those across uh, for those of you guys that are, you're curious. Um,
1: and that's I mean, not just a team thing. Like this is who we are year in and year out. It's what's expected.
0: So coach, we got a couple minutes left. And uh, so I want to open this up for, you know, any questions from our other coaches, but you know, my big takeaway so far is this is so far ingrained in the identity of the kids and they're hitting the gas and the kids know if they play really, really hard and do what they're supposed to do, they're going to get to play. He's going 14. He's going 14 deep. Everybody gets to play. And yeah, the best players are going to play uh, more minutes. Don't get get me wrong, but everybody gets to play. And so from that standpoint, these kids aren't so gassed because this is I mean, this is tough, the way that they play. I mean, it's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But he's just bringing in new guys. And so then you look at the other team who's going like seven deep, and most of the time they've given up in like the seven, second quarter of the game. Like it's it's just – it's crazy to to watch. Um, any questions that you guys have or are curious about, whether it's a strategy piece and you think that they do in practice? I've seen the nine-on-five drill – and I was like, this is the craziest, most chaotic. I was like, I, I was sitting bare wide. I was like, I don't even understand what's going on right now. But the kids are like, you know, talking and yelling at each other and saying, oh, that was your guy. And then I'm like, all right, obviously it works. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and watch.
1: And that's my I love that drill just because everybody's playing and you're getting better offensively because you're telling the kids to score. You're telling them, embarrass them. There's, there, there's, there's nine of you to five, like embarrass them. But this is where my philosophy is. If that referee's not blowing the whistle, are you really playing man to man? I mean, that's the bottom line. Does that make sense? So even if I've got eight kids, are my eight kids making the referee blow the whistle? Because you can play with tenacity. Okay, my high school from West Virginia came down this summer and they played in our summer league, which if any of you are high school coaches and you want to come, we would love to have you. And because you're with Steve, I'll make sure you don't have to pay the entry fee to get into our summer league. You're more than welcome to come. All right. Um, our, our summer league has had like John Morant played in it three out of four years. Uh, our summer league. I mean, I, we saw Jaw play when he was a freshman <laughs> and his coach Dwayne was like, you wait till you see this kid. He's pretty good. It's like, yeah, he ain't bad. Uh, John Morant played in it three out of four years. A.J. Green with the Bengals, uh, he played in it. Uh, Bruce Ellington, who was with the Texans. And, I mean, we there's a lot. I mean, our, our summer league is one of the oldest in the state that I started years ago. Uh, but the reason I'm saying that is I don't – I really – don't think that I would change my philosophy about playing defense no matter how many kids I had because I firmly believe I wouldn't have eight I mean I'm going to go find two other kids that can fill that one or two minute I mean I, we 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 do and I did that early in my coaching career I started I, I focused too much man I can't remember who told me this at the Nike clinic I can't remember if Bob Knight said this or who said this. I think we focus too much on what our kids can't do instead of focusing on what our kids can do. And when we spend so much time trying to cover up what they can't do, we don't get the full extent of what they can do out of them. And that sort of handcuffs us as coaches. So they're like, when, you, when they see that, then parents are looking at me going, I want my kid to play in this because they know their kid has a chance. Can you honest to God tell me that... When you look at basketball coaching that we do today, are you honest to God telling me that we we do all this stuff like what Steve does, where he literally works to bring the greatness out of kids? Are you really honest to God telling me that we're doing that for these kids, that we're really giving them the opportunity to really do, or have we already evaluated them? I mean, I'm telling you, I don't think we do. I mean, I do it with my kids. So I know if I'm doing that with my kid, and I just think that's something we have to look at ourselves about.
0: We go on and on. This was fun. Coach Mez, I appreciate appreciate you, coaches. Thanks for jumping in and uh listening to Coach Mez speak uh speak a good word, much, much above and beyond uh defense and uh, everything else. And um, Coach Mez, we're gonna have to have you back, jump on some topics and some, some future meetings. This was awesome. Thanks for jumping in.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry I'm long-winded, guys. I mean, you asked me a question, I talk. I'm sorry. Like I said, it's Italian, I can't help it, but thanks to Steve. I look forward to coming back and listening to you guys. Um, I just, I really appreciate, um, I love it. I really do. And I love the kids and um, I appreciate everything you guys do. I mean, I really do. I don't know you all individually as coaches but just to do what you're doing here to come in that's just amazing. And Steve, we love you. I mean, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for our kids and what you've done to our program to help take it to another level. I just, I can't thank you enough. Not a lot of people want to come out here in the continent tobacco fields and work with our kids. I mean. I really do appreciate
0: it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, thanks, guys, for, for jumping into the meeting. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. If you guys need anything, if there's anything that I can do for you, uh, please let me know. And uh, thanks for Thank you for listening to this episode. You can feel Coach Mez's passion. You can feel it coming through the audio on this. He's just got such a huge passion for, for kids, for the game of basketball, for sharing the game that, that he loves. And we are just we're blessed to have him as part of the Coach's Edge, Coach's Edge And uh, the time that we spend with one another as coaches just a couple times a month has really allowed me to become a much better coach. And I know. Uh, our other coaches with Coaches edge.coach can do feel the same, same way. So if you're curious about joining the Coaches Edge, please reach out to me. It's contact at KramerBasketball.com at CoachesEdge1 on Twitter. And if you enjoyed this episode, as always, a positive rating and review goes a really long way. Big thank you to Coach Mez for taking the time to be on the podcast and more importantly, speak to our Coaches Edge members. Thanks again and get after it today.